In association with castlab.co.uk, training excellence in developing your podcast. Welcome to Come Chai with me in Culture Vultures Pod Cafe. In this podcast, we'll be chatting about different lifestyle topics. So we thought, why don't we invite you into our pod cafe to listen in to our conversations? Looking forward to your company over a cup of garam chai. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Come Chai with me. Today's podcast comes from Madeira, a Portuguese island where I am on holiday with my husband and my son. During our drives on this beautiful island, we listen to a podcast by Dr. Rangan Chatterjee in which he interviews Oliver Berkman. Oliver Berkman is a British journalist. He has written a variety of self-help books and his recent book 4000 weeks time management for mortals is the one we are discussing today he argues that our modern attempt to optimize our time leaves us stressed and unhappy this book 4000 weeks proposes a path to live a fulfilling life through embracing our limitations today i am discussing this topic with Dr. Savi Arora who is an experienced podcaster in his long career of business management he has coached many newcomers to the industry about time management my son Rohin has also done some personal research on the topic of time management so in this show we discuss this difficult topic of how to find enough time to squeeze in all the things we ever wanted to do Here's Oliver sharing about how he came up with the 4,000 weeks concept. So 4,000 weeks is extremely approximately the average human lifespan in the West expressed in terms of weeks. If you live to be 80, you'll have had a few more than that. I completely rounded it to a sort of punchy round number. It's basically how much we can reasonably expect to get to play with. I know it's a little pessimistic thing to think about but really time for all of us is limited and is finite. So how should we spend our time effectively? He's first of all talking about can you do everything in your lifetime because we all think we're immortal and we've got plenty of time we could delay things and do it another day. And then another point he's making is try to focus on some specific things. He knows that we are finite beings and that's a really interesting point because we try to do everything. Yeah, and I think sometimes we don't think that way because even though we know that we have certain time on this earth, but we just kind of keep that at the back of our minds and we just 
live like we have all the time in the world. And I think it just kind of makes us aware that we need to be mindful that we have limited time. So we do need to prioritize our life in some way that we live it more meaningfully and maybe do things that are important to us or things that we care about. There's a big trend out there in trying to be as productive as possible, trying to get as much done as possible. And I think his point is, you know, we shouldn't become machines. And if you are more efficient, you're probably likely to get more work thrown at you anyway. So you might feel more busy anyway. So I think his point is decide on what you're passionate about and do those things rather than try and do everything. I think he talks about neglecting things that are unimportant. We think everything is important, don't we, when we're checking our emails in the morning. But I think somehow we need to learn to prioritise so rather than including everything in our to-do list, we need to start neglecting some of the things that might not be as important. <clears throat> what would you neglect if you were to think about that practically? I think there's an additional dimension here is that being an ex-Guardian writer in a very popular column, he had deadlines to work towards. He also talks about the zero email mission that you have to do things for work. I think the question that you're asking is more about what about things that you're passionate about? So if you're spending all your time doing things to actually perform that work-life balance, yeah. which he believes that doesn't actually exist, then what he's saying is that be realistic about what you can achieve. I think he gave a number of steps. Choose a few things, do them well, whereas trying to achieve everything within the time that you've got is not really possible. Prioritisation seems to be the message that's coming through but against the things that you really think that you can achieve against realistic goals? I have a strategy that I use. I try to spend some time every year to look at what my goals are, what my intentions are for the year, what projects I want to work on, what skills I want to gain. And then I try to figure out how I can break that down into a small chunk. So what can I do every day or every week or every month, even if it's one thing that can work towards that goal? But I try and gamify my life. So, you know, trying to make it more of a, a tangible goal, something that I can actually work on. So, for example, if I want to become fitter, that's a very vague goal. What does it mean to be fit? Does it mean to lose weight or to become a better runner or faster? I attempt to go for a run every week to do some sort of cardio and, and time it and see how I'm doing. That's my technique or my actionable, you know, action that I can try to do that can work towards my goal. I can very easily think of a few things that I would like to neglect. And I think one is a lot of time on phone. I do scroll quite a bit. And I think he did mention that in his podcast, because we all do that, because that makes us this kind of feeling of limitless, that we can be anywhere, we can be doing anything. And, and I think we just forget in that moment and we just go on our phones and this gives us this kind of buzz and relaxation at the same time. But what happens is it kind of takes quite a lot of your time, I guess it sort of diverts you from your main mission, whatever that mission in life is. I mean, it could be like you said, you know, we can't do everything, but if you're passionate about three or four things and you're trying to achieve that in a day, for example, you talked about fitness and, you know, yes, if my mission is to go for a walk or stay fit or whatever, then if I am spending quite a bit of time on scrolling and looking at photos and just kind of doing random things that I could avoid, or neglect, then I am actually taking my time away from things that matter to me. 
I think there's uh, aspiration. You always have an aspiration that you want to achieve things and deliver things, being a producer. I did something last year where I actually listed all the different episodes and things that I work on on different shows and programs. And I set myself a limit. I could do 10, I could do it once a month for a particular series. I realized I can't achieve more, but I've set myself a limit. If I've achieved 75% of what I wanted to achieve, that's a realistic objective. The only award that you're getting is the, the pleasure that you get out of the fact that you've achieved it. So I don't want to sell myself short. This is the problem I've got. I think I can achieve everything. And I think one of the things he makes reference to is that the productivity tools that are there today, and he makes specific reference to coaches, say that you can achieve everything. You can achieve it all, you just have to organise your life. Whereas this is a slightly different perspective. What Oliver is saying is you can't achieve everything, but you can achieve something that you set in terms of specific goals. Also, another point I wanted to bring up was he spoke about the fact that a lot of people follow successful people, but how happy and successful are they if we're trying to emulate their success? If they've had a, a bad marriage or something else has had to be sacrificed, does that mean that they're more qualified to give you that advice because they were successful but at the expense of their personal life? Sometimes, like you said, you would like to squeeze everything in and you don't want to compromise on anything and you don't want to neglect anything. But my problem is, because I feel the same, when, especially when you're coming to the, I wouldn't say the end of, of your life, but you know, as you're growing older and out of those 4,000 weeks, it's getting shorter and less and less. And I do feel that, you know, time is sort of running. It feels like it's just racing and I want to achieve lots of things. And, and I think that's what he's trying to say, that that's going to overwhelm you if you try to squeeze everything in your life. And perhaps maybe you could do targets, like you said, Rohin, maybe this year or for six months, you can focus on certain things. So, for example, I've started doing some voluntary work and I'm focusing on two organizations and I'm thinking, OK, maybe I, I could just work with them this year. And I develop a hobby that I always wanted to do. So, you know, rather than having a a lifelong thing, uh, you know, you could do that for a year and then maybe next year take something else on and so that way you feel like you've tried lots of things, if you want to. But I do think every year writing down what your goals are, what you want to do is good because sometimes you can do a review at the end of it and say, actually, have I done those things? Last year, for example, I said, I want to read 35 books or something and I didn't manage to do that at all. It was third of that. So. It wasn't realistic. So this year I'm, I'm saying I want to read you know, one book a month rather than actually so many books. Sometimes you need to have a healthy relationship with planning and, and productivity because it can spiral. And for me, I think we should embrace productivity and, and all these, even technology to you know, enhance our life and, and be faster and getting things done. But at the same time, we need to know when to switch off and have some digital hygiene and be able to get away from everything. I think life has kind of got really fast recently. You know, you, you always want to get things done. We can talk to anyone around the world very quickly, instantly. We can see people on, on social media. I mean, these technologies, as you're talking about, they are meant to make our life easier and meant to give us more time. But it seems to be doing the opposite. think you can fulfill your creative desires while having a day job? I think if you're really passionate about something you will try your best to pursue 
that passion project. I think it's harder when you're younger to dedicate time to your creative projects when you have to work and make a living and there's a lot of responsibilities that you do have. But I think you just have to try your best to make time for it. And I think using time management skills could at least help. This has a direct link to creativity. But if you are a creative, people that like to produce films or photos or audio or whatever, and you met somebody recently, didn't you, when you went to a, a local fundraiser where somebody was actually retired and they're an artist and somebody else is doing extras in various places. Yeah. They've now discovered different ways to spend their time which are more creative. It's interesting because they wouldn't have done that during their working life, but they've done that in their retired life. Wouldn't it be great in your working life if you were to allocate a specific amount of time, if you are inclined to, to be creative to do that? What my point is, is that your day-to-day life is consuming, Oliver is saying, so much of your life that you're not having time, if you are that type of person, to have that creative output. So in theory, time and creativity are linked. I think you are what you put your time to. Whatever you do, even if you're staring at a phone all day, you're cultivating something. And I think sometimes it's important to be mindful of that and recognise, you know, if I'm going to stare at my phone right now, what is, how is it going to contribute to my life? How is it going to enhance my life? You know, sometimes even not in doing anything and just going for a walk and listening to nature can give you inspiration and can be a very useful tool to make other things or just to be introspective and, you know, learn about yourself. So I think we shouldn't say we have to do one thing over the other. Lots of things have value. It's interesting mm-hmm. that uh, podcast with uh, Ragan, where Oliver was interviewed, he did say that sometimes going out and doing nothing, this concept of wasting time, which is waste sounds negative, but doing nothing can inspire you to do something later on. It has to soak in and eventually you get that awe. Yeah. Uh, and we went on a mindfulness course where they did say, if you go out and about and you look at the flowers and the leaves and do something completely different to what you're doing, you get that sense of awe when you come back and you're more creative because it's giving you that effectively mental rest to be productive when you come back. So there's nothing actually wrong with doing nothing, which is what you were just saying. Yeah, I know that's true. As we are on holiday and we have been going on lots of and doing nature walks and doing nothing, <laughs> Uh, We hopefully are inspired to do something more interesting later, possibly. But it does kind of refreshes you and re-energizes you and, as you said, perhaps makes you more creative because I do get more my creative ideas when I'm out and about on a walk or in a nature place. But what is time-wasting anyway? Your time-wasting might be someone else's time spent well. I think emails and technology is fantastic. You know, you can talk to anyone around the world. It's great, great tool. If you're using it inefficiently, like every half an hour checking your emails, mm. then that's not an effective use of time. Maybe it's better to spend one time of the day to look at all your emails and send all your emails and reply to everybody rather than actually constantly checking your phone. I think as a human being, this is my theory, but we need like 20, 30 seconds to get into a, a state of focusing. If we're dithering with different things all the time, you know, different notifications, we can get confused and don't actually do things very well. So I think just spending a lot of time on one thing can be useful. And that's just for me anyway, how I found. I used to teach on a time management course. And one of the things that they talk about is taking a problem, breaking it down, giving a priority against certain things, working on a whole bunch of stuff, getting it out of the way. Is it freeing up time? Is it a performance issue? Or is it not solving the problem? Focusing 
on a specific creative element. So I think we return to the theme, that is, have you got time to do the things that you really want to do versus are you trying to get by with the stuff that you have to do as part of life? Oliver makes a reference to the fact that there is no such thing as a work-life balance. It doesn't exist. But I think work-life balance is what you said earlier, you know, try to remove things that are possibly not very important in your life and keeping to the limited missions that you would like to achieve or targets that you would like to achieve. So perhaps make it more, as you said, uh, bite-sized so that you feel that you are using your time effectively and getting somewhere. I think everyone needs to understand what they value and it, understanding what they value can help them to break down what they want to spend their time with to do to carry out so I think there's people need to really spend some time to understand themselves and understand what they want to dedicate their time to so I was reading that book think like a monk and Jay Shetty makes reference to what would you do in terms of thinking at the time of your death do you have a regret that you didn't contact the people that you should have contacted and made time for them. That seemed to be a leading contender when people were quizzed about what they could have done with their life. It's interesting that Oliver makes reference to the 4,000 weeks that you have in your entire life. How do you prioritise what you really need to do? I know sometimes the aim of our lives become earning money and we feel that that is going to give us happiness and that's where we spend most of our energy and time doing but i think later on as we grow older or just right at the end of our lives we realize oh we could have done or we should have done more of that so i think you know we just need to be mindful and maybe rather than having those regrets later try to incorporate that in your life now everyone's lives are different we can't compare because some people have to work a lot of work to earn money, to make ends meet, to pay mortgages. So it's not an easy answer. The problem is that we have obligations to survive and that requires making money. and Checking emails. Checking emails, <laughs> networking. There's a lot of things that you have to do to be part of society. And I think it's important to spend time doing those things, but understand what you value and make sure you dedicate time to do those things. If you work towards things that you thought are your purpose and things that help you to connect with others. I think that's an important thing. It's interesting that he talks about community as well, whether it be a religious community or not, but getting together in groups, that is quite a good way to spend your time, not necessarily the fact that you've achieved something. It comes back to Steve Covey's Seven Habits for Highly Effective Managers, and one of the chapters talks about what would they say about you at your funeral. That's additional pressure, because you're putting pressure on yourself to say, well, he was this, she was that, they did this. The thing is, should you feel that pressure that you've got to achieve something, if you haven't invented a new technology or done something that contributed to society, is that necessarily a bad thing? The fact that you lived a good life, you were a nice person, that's something that you should feel that you've done rather than actually do it because somebody wants to say something good about you at your funeral. I know it sounds a bit morbid. People remember you for who you were and the distinct personality that you had. You're not going to go out your effort to create a personality, but you don't want to be remembered for being a horrible person either.
I mean, unfortunately, we can't save time. It's not something we can deposit. There's a science fiction film called In Time, starring Justin Timberlake. It means that every single person, when they're born, are given a number of digits of how many minutes they got left. And on their wrist, it displays at the age of 23. The countdown starts to how much time you've got left. Of course, there is an alternative aspect of this particular story that certain people have more time than others because they paid for that extra credit to come onto their wrist. But I think it's interesting because what it does give you is that realism. And in theory, you could argue that when you hit 23, you've only got, on average, a certain number of weeks left. How much does that make you realise in terms of pressure? Sadly, I've got to do so many things. mentioned in his podcast was a discipline because sometimes we intend to do lots of things and we make these our to-do list or targets we actually when it comes down to doing it we actually don't do it so I think sometimes creating some kind of discipline in life and he was talking about religion from that point can be quite important like some people like my mom she prays regularly and she spends certain time that's a routine she does it and she wouldn't miss it. Yeah, I think if you want to get things done, discipline is very important. Routine is also very important. It makes things easier because you can create habits in your life to work around the goals that you want to achieve. There is power in, in just creating a sort of structure in your day and so you can try to do things at certain periods. There's lots of strategies that work for different people. For me, I try to, as I say, dedicate those certain minutes of my day to do particular activities. It's very hard to be disciplined. So just to summarise, what do you think you've got out of that podcast that we all listen to about time? The main takeaway for me is that I need to understand and dedicate time to things that I value. I don't need to be that obsessed with being super productive, trying to take myself too seriously and enjoy the moment. For me, I think that thing, the silent editor, where you're trying to write books and your brain is saying, it's not good enough. And I really like the example that Regan gave during his interview with Oliver, which was he's produced five books in five years. And a few years ago, he thought he'd never be able to do that. But he set himself criteria that he works to. And I think I need to set myself up with realistic constraints to the delivery, which means that they may not be perfect, but at least you've got the products out the door. I also wanted to note that actually there's a separation between working efficiently at work, business, you know, working as a project manager and also home life. The value is going to be different there. Mm, yeah. uh, I think that's something that I've also realised that I need to think differently about work compared to work home life. My takeaway from this book is the idea that we should pursue the activities we enjoy and that are important to us. I'd like to finish this podcast by reading a quote from Oliver's book. He says, The day will never arrive when you finally have everything under control, when the flood of email has been contained, when your to-do list have stopped getting longer, when you're meeting all your obligations at work, 
and in your home life when nobody's angry with you for missing a deadline or dropping the ball and when the fully optimized person you've become can turn at long last to the things life is really supposed to be about with that thank you thank you pleasure thank being you. with you thank you and i hope to see you again sometimes and let's brew up another cup here we go cheers a real cup of chai. Absolutely. Bye bye. See you soon. We look forward to seeing you for another cuppa, for another conversation for another lifestyle topic. Follow us on Instagram at Come Chai With Me. In association with castlab.co.uk, training excellence in developing your podcast.